Contractors, I want to give you something to think about that perhaps is not so pleasant, all right? Did you know that four out of five people who fall off a roof actually die? Or did you know that 4.5 people on average die on a job site every single day in America? It is something that no contractor wants to think about, but unfortunately it is the reality. I work with a group called uh, Construction Angels, and we unfortunately see these accidents every single month come across the table. But what happens after the accident? Because it doesn't have to be death. It could be something as simple as a car being hit in a driveway or something happening to the home or the business that you're working on. What happens? Insurance kicks in, right? But if you don't have the right coverages for yourself or the people that you've hired do not have the right coverages, where does that leave your business? These are the kind of questions that we're going to be answering today. I've got my friend Alex Hurst here, Roofing Insurance Group. He's going to be able to talk to us about some of the stuff you need to be looking out for in your policies and the policies of the people that you are hiring. Stick around for this one, everybody. Very informative. All my roofers, all my GCs, this is going to be a good one. Alex, how was that for an introduction? That's pretty good. Better hey, than mine. Hey, very good, man. Hey, listen, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Um, I was able to meet you last week at an ABC event. Um, and got a chance to get to know you. I've heard good things about you from some of my contractors. Um, roofing Insurance Group, who would be crazy enough to only insure roofers um, or to get involved with them? It's an interesting concept. What do you do, buddy? Tell us. So kind of basically what we talked about last week when we met. Um, roofing Insurance Group focuses on really two industries, roofing industry and solar industry, because they kind of intertwine a little bit. One gets into one, the other one gets into the other. Uh, anything from liability, workers' comp, your property, your autos, um, equipment, bonds, anything that a company would need insurance-wise, e even up to health insurance for the group. Mm -hmm. um, we, we do everything for any contractor as far as insurance wise goes. But you're really focused on the liability side, I would say, right? That liability that a contractor has out there, a roofing contractor specifically, um, every day in the field, the people that are working for them and those that they hire, the, is that really the way the focus is for you or you, you got other areas too? So it's it's not so much that it's the focus, but it's what you can be very good or bad at. Um, what I mean by that is workers' comp is workers' comp. It's fairly cut and dry. Everybody understands what it does. Most companies, are they're the same. You pay the same price that's ran by NCCI, which is a governing body on the rates. Um, same with auto insurance, you know, it covers comp, it covers collision. We all understand what those things do. And when you talk about general liability, um, that's where you can have the most gaps or holes or exposures in your entire, you know, insurance program. So that's why whenever you go into some of these contractors, some of these subcontractors, and you're talking with them, as far as me and my, when I have prospects and I'm working on them, that's where I can make the biggest difference because that's where the biggest differences can be is on the liability. Okay. So I want to talk about this, the liability side of the insurance for the contractor. But before we do, we have to have an understanding of how the process normally works. Um, contractors normally, assist, we're taking roofing since that's what we're going to focus on today. But this could be the same thing for GCs. Most of the time, the individual is not out there doing the work. They have hired a subcontractor to go out there and do the work that they have promised a home or a business owner that they are going to do. 
that subcontractor carries their own insurance policy. Contractor that hires that subcontractor has their insurance policy. I think one of the best ways that we can start to build some value here for our, for our viewers is for them to understand what should that subcontractor truly have on their policy and what do they not have? Because I think a lot of contractors hire somebody, they got some crews, they go out there and they do the work and they think, okay, that crew right there, I've seen that they have insurance, it checks off a few boxes. I, as the person who hired them to do the work, I'm covered, I'm good. Do you see a lot of contractors that fall in this area where they're like, I'm fine, I know that my sub crews have insurance, so I'm gonna be okay. Yeah, so exactly what you said. So the GC, or like you said, in the last five years, it seems that there's not so many roofing companies where they're doing the actual installs. It's more of, you're more of a sales company. Mm. So you kind of fit in that GC role. You're subbing out 99% of your installs. You might have a couple crews on hand. Um, you know, they might actually do some repairs. You might do some specialty work. Maybe it's clay or, or tile. Maybe it's metal. So whenever you have that situation, you know, like you said, they check boxes. They're mm. just trying to get them on the roof. And, you, and the purpose is obviously to lessen your exposure as a business owner pushing it down on them like a GC typically does to you if you ever get a job through them. And the problem is you're not in insurance. And even if your stuff is buttoned up tight, which it might not be, but if it is, you don't know what kind of policy they have. You see the limits. You see the $1 million, You see the $2 million. They enlist you as additional insured. They have the workers' comp. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they have the auto insurance. It's everything that your agent or maybe even your lawyers told you to have in, some, in your subagreement. But at the end of the day, you don't know what kind of exclusions or conditions are on their policy. You might know what's on yours, but you don't know what's on theirs. Yeah, big warning out right now to if you are a business owner, you're an operations director for a roofing contractor, for, it's for a GC, take a minute and think about, have you actually read the policy of the subcontractor that is doing the work for you? Or... Did you simply look at it for, as you said, some coverages that you were supposed to have, some minimums that would need to be met, and you went, yep, that checks that box, that checks that one. Let's get these guys out there and get some work done because, hey, we know we're at least covered right now. And I think this is a big wake-up call, and it should be, to Roofing and GC, all my business owners out there, my director of operations, you may have exclusions in their policy that could hold you liable. And this is, this is huge, man, because you don't want to think about that. But when something does go wrong, as we're going to talk about some of the exclusions that could be in that policy, that you could be held as the person that GC, as that roofing contractor who's hiring that sub, you could be held liable for a lot of money if you are not careful. This is something that they need to pay attention to now. And I don't think a lot of people do. I don't, I don't know why. I mean, I guess it's because, what, they get caught up in their growth? They get caught up in the day-to-day? -day? I mean, you're not, in, you're not in insurance. You're a, you're a contractor. You're a roofer. You huh. know, that's, that's not your, your primary focus. And also, do you even have the time? Most people are wearing multiple hats. Not only are you the, you're the CEO, but you're also the HR manager. You maybe be even the uh, crew leader, you know, you might the lead installer, whatever it is. So even – I wouldn't even say it's so much you – necessarily need to be doing it yourself but if you can even pass that job off to your agent who you're already paying to say hey can you take a look at their policy and let me know if there's anything I need to be looking out for 
And if your agent's in the industry and they, and they do roofing or they do whatever your trade is, they'll know some of the names of ones be like, hey, man, that's, that doesn't cover track housing. And you're doing, you know, work for D.R. Horton and Lennar, whoever you're doing new construction for. Mm. Or, hey, you know, I know you do torch down work and that policy excludes torch work and hot mops. Um, hey, yeah, you're, you're doing apartments right now. You're doing construction over three stories. And I know that company doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. So, may, you know, even giving your agent the opportunity to take a look at it for you to be able to check those boxes on the back and that you don't even know what you're looking for more than likely. I mean, that's going to be able to help you out a lot. Yeah. So let's go through some of these exclusions. We, I know we talked about them a little bit, but I want to kind of run through a few. And the thing that stuck out to me about that is this, is that if you are a contractor, I'm going to say owner of a company, your director of operations, those guys who are hiring the sub crews to go out and do the work. Is that normally what you see? Yeah. Your, yeah. your operations directors, right? So maybe the sales manager, operations director, even you know whoever, whoever it is that's hiring the subs. I don't necessarily see all the time who's doing it. You know, I obviously just get the certificates most of the time on audit time or the ones who do utilize me in the way I spoke about earlier when I get their certificates to come, you know, come across my email address. So, um, but yeah, whenever they're hiring these people out, uh, some of the things to look out for, and I don't want to take anything from you that you're about to start reading. Um, One of the biggest ones, and this is in roofing in general, to look on your own policy is an open roof exclusion. That's what I was going to start with. So tell me a little bit about it. So when you're tearing off a roof, roof's open, you're doing your work, you know, you're doing the tear off on a, on a re-roof and a storm's coming in, you got to close it in. But let's just say you don't get it done in time. You tore off too much. Uh, me and uh, Mr. Merrill, who, you know, owner of Merrill Insurance, the, the, the company that owns Roofing Insurance Group, he, me and him walked into the mall in Lake County, Lake Square, and we walked in J.C. Payne's years ago. And I don't know who was doing the roof at the time, but the entire mall, all the tiles in the ceiling were on the floor, soaking wet. They had half the place, you know, roped off. And it's because they tore off too much and they, you know, more than they should have. They couldn't close it in in time. So if that happens and you have an open roof exclusion, then that's going to fall on you. It's your turn to pay, right? They're, your company's not going to pay. Your insurance carrier's not going to pay. So you need to make sure, one, you don't have an open roof exclusion. I'd say that's the first place to start. So let me look at this like a fifth grader like I often do. This would mean you're director of operations for Patrick Car Roofing. And I'm the owner of Patrick Car Roofing. Let's just play a little role play here. You went ahead and you hired a sub crew to go out and do, let's say, that mall that we're talking about right now. I'm over here as the business owner thinking, I'm fine because you're smart enough to hire somebody who they have all the coverages if something goes wrong that is necessary. Well, that crew goes out there and unfortunately they rip off part of this big roof. They go to lunch. They're having a good time. And unfortunately, rain moves in and it pours in quick and starts not only ruining the roof, but it could ruin the contents that obviously are within that mall. Oh, yeah. You come to me and you're like, hey, Pat, you know what? Listen, man, we're going to be just fine because they have all the coverages that we need. But in a week later, we find out that, oh, no, actually they have this open roof exclusion right here, right? And that means that they are not going to be paying for that damage. Actually, it's going to fall back on our company here to go in and take care of not only the damage to the roof, but the damage to the inside of that building or anything that might be included, like clothes or the flooring, the tile, all that stuff. Or people. And people. Great point. So this open roof exclusion right here is something that I think many GCs, roofing contracting companies are not thinking about. 
but could cost them dearly on a job, and it could happen this afternoon. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. And it, it's that's the first place, like I said, to start. And you'd be surprised at how many people I've ran across that have that. And they have, I have roofing insurance, you know, whatever they might tell you. It's like, well, you have an open roof exclusion. If that's more than likely your number one possibility of a claim is something to do with open roof. You know, be, especially being in Florida. Absolutely. Right now, storms are coming in every evening, every afternoon. We're, we're getting rain almost every day now. So it's just something that's bound to happen, potentially. And if to be excluded for that, I mean, might as well just, you know, you're paying for what at that point. You're just paying to get on the roof. You're paying for the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You're paying for the permit you yeah. know, for the county. That's really all it's paying for. Yeah, I've seen this happen before where somebody will leave the site for an hour. They'll put a blue tarp over the opening and the blue tarp go, blows away. It's not there and they get back. All of a sudden you've had water that has come in. And folks, it only takes a little bit of rain. And then you've got to start worrying about that carpet on the inside, the walls getting wet, the mold that you have to do, the engineering reports that have to be done. It becomes costly very quickly, not to mention what kind of customer are you going to have? You think you're going to have a happy customer of the fact that they got to go through all this crap when you were supposed to just do the roof and get it done right the first time? Yeah, this open roof exclusion is something that they need to be looking out for. And some, you know, kind of going back to what you're just saying, that scenario of somebody having taken a step back, it, it takes me to another point. Um, you have what's called conditional requirements on policies. And some of them, a lot of them will have requirements on subcontractors to keep a certain level of insurance to, to name you as additional insured. Other ones, especially on the open roof side, they'll cover open roofs if you do this. And so, like you just said, if you leave the job site, most of them will say that in there, you know, have to be on the job site. If you take appropriate precautions to try to cover the roof in or close it in. So, again, even if you were on the job site, you did throw a tarp on and it gets blown off, you're fine because you did what you were supposed to do and things just happen. But if the scenario happens where you do take, you know, go out, leave the job site and you come back and the tarp's no longer there, well, now you didn't re meet the condition of the policy and then they're going to exclude it. So even if you don't have an open roof exclusion, you still have a condition of the policy, a, a duty to fulfill in a sense as you as a contractor, so, you know, subcontractor to that insurance company for them to then, you know, activate and cover you on those policies. Hey, you got to be monitoring the subs when you're out there. They have, in a lot of cases, they have your shirt on. They are representing you when they are out on the job site. Um, and so you've got to make sure that you're monitoring. Another one here I want to go through, we've got a few of them here, folks, that, again, if you are a director of operations out there, business owner, have you looked at what kind of policy your subcontractor is using out there in the field? Because if you have not, you could be held liable. These are the kind of things that an expert like you you're the kind of guy that's going to find these things. Maybe not your typical insurance agent out there, but because you've been involved in roofing, you're finding these things. Another one that interests me was this condo and track home exclusion. Talk to me about this. So kind of kind of two different things, obviously. And, they, and you find this a lot on new construction. So most people will, will focus on re-roofs, and you have some that are niched out in new construction. Um, condos or multifamily homes, townhomes, you know, triplexes, duplexes, whatever you want to call them, Sometimes you'll have an exclusion altogether, and sometimes you might even have a limitation. Um, you, you know, you might be able to see one that says, you know, up to a six-unit in an entire, you know, complex, or a track housing exclusion or condition up to 20 homes. And a guy might think, well, I'm only going to do 15 homes in this development, but if the development size itself is 50, 100, 200, 500 homes, it doesn't matter that you only did 15, you didn't do that 20. 
it's talking about the development size, not the actual work you do within the development. So that right there will knock you out. But track track exclusion is a big one. I, and truthfully, there's only you know up to five that I can I really know are competitive in that space that even write true track housing exposures. Yeah, so you've got to be careful there. I think it could be very simple for an individual to go, oh, you know what, I picked up 10, 15 homes in this neighborhood, um, and then all of a sudden not having that coverage that's there, that that could be a disaster in my opinion. Um, and not ha- making sure that if you are going to be working on a number of homes, that, that sub yourself, that you don't have this exclusion that's in there, and that you do work, I guess, with one of these half a dozen or so carriers that are going to be able to provide that kind of coverage. Absolutely. And, and something to point out is, uh, for example, D.R. Horton, one of the largest you know track house builders out there, if not the largest in the entire country, um, they have a preferred contractors list, and they'll give you a list of who you can and can't do work for. And so we, off, the, off the rip sometimes when I go into somebody's like, hey, you're not going to get paid if you have that carry and you start working with D.R. Horton. But even some of the carriers they have on there, I am um, they potentially will have track exclusions on there. So even if it's not on the list of ones that you can't use, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to cover that exposure you be in the track housing. Um, that, that's actually for a guy I'm working on right now. You know, he, he's doing some work in DR Horton. I take a look and he's like, you know, I said, well, this, this company's not on the don't work for a list. But when I looked at the policy, when he sent it to me, I was like, you have a track exclusion. So this, this doesn't work for you. And when you're, when you're trying to put it to a fifth grader or, or in layman's terms, I say, you know, somebody sold you the Ford Ranger when they should have sold you the F-350 when you're trying to haul that fifth wheel over there. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to do the job. So, yes, it might cost more. But, again, now you're only paying for a permit or you're only paying to be able to get on the job. But if something does happen, you know, that 10, 15 grand that you saved and not getting the right policy – or you're gonna lose. You're gonna lose that in ten times more in a ho- you know, in a couple houses. Because the whole thing about track housing is, because you're you're cranking them out and almost like an assembly line. The whole theory, and it's not really even a theory. The thing that happens is the same mistake you made on this one, you end up making on the next five or six, mm-hmm. because you're doing it in repetition. So typically, it's not just one house. You end up doing a whole row from the same way you just did that one over there, and now you don't have just one house. Now you have a half a dozen or more. So that's that's the biggest thing with track housing. Why a lot of those carriers don't like them is because that that's what can happen. Understood. Now the next one I have on my list right here is regarding torch down and some hot work. All right, uh, I think about this for people. Uh, most of the time you're doing residential homes. All right, so you've got a you got a residential contractor, and they don't realize that there's an exclusion like this. And I think that there could be a flat roof that comes about where they've got to do some flat roof work and this exclusion is ex- included, is this where this can come to bite somebody in the butt who even if they are, they're not doing flat roofs a lot, but you come across some homes that got a good size flat roof on the back end and could hurt them there. Right, yeah, so like you said, it, it's not real common in the residential side as far as flat roofs go. It's, it's more so on the commercial buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you know, you, when you say commercial, you don't have to mean a huge industrial building. It's, it can be just a, an office complex. Of, church. You know, a church, yes, yeah. exactly. Um, church. This one, this policy here I brought actually excludes anything religious work. Enlist church is one of them. But that, again, besides that, so flat work, um, you know, that if it has a torch down flat, you know, hot mop exclusion, and again, even if it's most of the time it's less than 5% of your total operations, it's usually one-offs, or every once in a while you do that. 
more than you find a guy that maybe just only does that, you know, torch down work or whatever it is, wand work. So if you have that on your policy, again, it's going to be excluded. Or if you find one that accepts it but has a condition and it tells you you have to have a fire extinguisher in your, in your truck, um, you also have to have a log of when you last applied. You have to stay there for an hour after the last application to make sure nothing catches on fire. If you don't follow those procedures, again, it's a conditional thing, just like the open roof. And then at that point, it'll be excluded. We're going to be right back to that podcast, but I got a question for all my contractors out there. When is the last time that you took a look at your website? Uh, so many businesses, we get wrapped up in our day-to-day of what we're doing that we forget to really update our website or look to see if it really represents what our business is trying to say to the world, to our potential customer. If you have not looked at your website in the past couple of months or you've just assumed that it is going well, then I encourage you, go take a look. And once you do, I want you to get in touch with my friends over at Scorpion. They are the company for developing the best website for blue-collar contractors out there. How do I know that? Well, they've done it thousands of times over again. And when you're making websites, experience matters. Why do you say that? Well, because you're going to have questions. You're going to have things that you're concerned about when you're making your website. You're going to have things that you, you're not sure if you're doing it the right way. And you want to work with a company that's done it over and over and over again. Scorpion simply makes the best websites. And here's the kicker, everyone. When it comes to marketing and SEO and everything to make your website functional and be the best it can possibly be, they can help you out with that as well. Everything under one roof. I'm going to tell you, the web address is right across the bottom of the screen right now. Get in touch with Scorpion today. Get your website right. Get your marketing right. Make sure that your website is working for you. So the next time you look at that website, you're going to be completely sure it's optimized for everything that you're doing right now. Thanks so much to Scorpion for making this show possible. And now let's get back to that podcast. Understood. So I like that. Just like an open roof, there's going to be some things that you need to look out for. But I, I continue to say there are there are contractors who jump onto a commercial project when normally what they do is, is residential. And, you know, they jump onto something that maybe otherwise they'd normally want to think of as commercial. You know, they're doing a church over here. There's a small side building like, you know, we're, we've got a complex right here behind us. It's, you know, maybe it's 50 yards long. It's a flat roof up there. It's not a huge project, but they're not looking for the fact that this exclusion may be part of the policy for that sub that they hire. And if that's the case and something goes wrong, you could be liable. 100%. Um, these are the kind of things you want to look for. Classification limitations. I want you to tell me about this one. Um, I've got some notes here on it, but help me understand the classification limitations and what that can mean to a contractor. So so classification limitation, and actually this, this one here has it in the back as well too. It, it's a fairly common one, and it's not so much an exclusion as it is again a condition okay I told you basically that. saying it, it, whatever's listed as your as your list of exposures what I mean by exposures um, what the policy's covering a re, it, some will say residential roofing three stories or less commercial roofing three stories or less you might see sheet metal work you might see carpentry work you might even see your subcontracted work on there as well too um, a lot of other ones will be your gutter work will be listed on there as well if you're going to do some gutters you know on top of roofing um, solar installation, like there's class codes for everything you do. And basically what it's saying is if those class codes aren't listed, aren't, you know, as far on your policy, on your deck page, if they're not listed on there for the exposures, 
and you have a claim for something outside of what's listed, it's not going to be covered. I would venture a guess that there are many people who don't understand that. That happens a lot. It, I, I mean, right. it's got to happen a lot. It, ha right? it happens a lot. That that one is probably the most common one as far as other than finding an open roof exclusion. Yeah. Um, that's the most common one of being like, hey, you said you do commercial work. Right. right. But you're listed as a residential roofer. And it's not even that it's going to cost you much of anything else. I mean, it's, it's sliding a little bit of sales or a little bit of payroll from here to there. Mm. And, you know, if he, it might only cost you 100 bucks in some cases, but it's just them, not even that they're even supposed to know that, but the agent is not thinking about that or doesn't know that there's a classification limitation on there or that, oh, I'm also doing gutter work or That's you started doing, started doing solar sales and you didn't tell me you were, you know, installing solar panels now. So See, the way I look at this is, you know, somebody needs to take an inventory right now of if you're a contractor of what work are you doing simple um, maybe you are doing work right now that you otherwise were not doing a year ago and you've started doing gutters and siding because you thought that was great maybe screen work you started doing a lot of stuff with screens or you started doing stuff with solar as you said um, but that wasn't a part of what you normally did and so now you're in this situation where you may not be covered based on the fact that you don't have the right classification limitations on here of what what you're actually doing in your business and it's not, not not a lot of money from what you're telling me it's just a matter of taking an inventory of where your business is currently at right it and it kind of we, we had this conversation a little while ago it, it kind of works in two ways um, it's something that you know a, a, the gc or the roofer whoever's watching this um, that something they can do that's easy again it's, it's not to put more work on you it's just to make you more aware but to set, have your agent set something on the calendar once a month. I have quite a few. I do it for mostly for sales projections and figures, especially my, my companies that are growing aggressively. You know, one year they're doing $5 million, next year they're doing $15 million. Um, if you put a reminder on there, and I have a couple that go out every month to them, it says, look over yearly projections with Alex. And it, all it is is jarring their memory to be like, okay, well, we told them $5 million this year. Well, here we are five months into the year now, you know, halfway done almost. And they're like, man, I've, I've, I've done $5 million this first half. I need to call him or I need to send Alex an email and say, hey, man, I know we said five, but, I, you know, it, it's looking more. We're going to do 10 this year. We're going to do 12 this year, whatever it's going to be. We need to increase that because now it's going to do two things for you. Or, hey, also, you know, and at that time it's going to give me an opportunity. Okay, are you doing anything else? Are you selling solar now? Yeah, actually, started. You know, we got a solar department. We're going to start getting into that, dabbling in that a little mm -hmm. bit. It gives me an opportunity to make some midterm changes, which is which is fine because the balls moved a little bit. The direction of the company's changed. We're we're growing more than we did in this area versus that area. And when you get to the end of the line and you start having your audits, because we've all had audits on workers' comp and liability, and when it's audit time, it's a lot easier to break up that extra five million and premium that you know I'm not saying five million but that five million in sales let's say that equates to fifty thousand dollars in premium it's easier to break that up over the course of the next six seven months than 30 days yeah we slapped with it right there right next one I want to talk about here this is actually a big one to me the pollution liability side of things now this is not something I think that is a I'm not gonna say it's not a huge deal to a lot of contractors but I could see it becoming a bigger deal following a storm a major storm. So walk me through what the pollution liability side is, and I'll kind of give you my opinion of how this might affect somebody following like a, a major catastrophe. Right. So so I learned this a hard way years ago. Obviously, I had a, had a 
insured that had a mold claim because open roof got into the, the rafters, mold in there, and of course, 99% of the time, there's a total pollution exclusion on every general liability policy. So what do you have to do to counteract that? You have to get a pollution policy. Yep. But more importantly, you have to get a pollution policy with a mold sublimit. Yes. So so even though you have a pollution policy, you need to make, you need to make sure it has a mold sublimit. And that mold sublimit is then going to be able to react when something like that happens. Or in the example you said earlier, floods out the house, it gets in the walls, next you have remediation teams coming out, that kind of stuff, and then there's mold down the line. And most and sometimes it could be even a small leak that you don't know that's happened until six, seven months down the road, and that's when you fall into these situations. Yes. So if you don't have that mold sublimit on that pollution policy, then, then you're leaving yourself open. Um, and to put something in perspective, I, I just did one for a guy um, he's a $6 million roofer. I got him a quote. I said, listen, this is compared to your liability, inexpensive. Liability is mm-hmm. grand a year. That mold policy, that pollution policy, four grand. So it, it's pennies on the dollar versus what your GL is supposed to be. Yes, and, but it, it will pay dividends to you if you need it right now. I mean, um, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough. I, I share an office here with AQA, arguably the largest in the southeast, mold engineer reporting company that there is and Richie Kibble does an amazing job he always talks about though on the radio the mold once that sets in you may not realize that for months on end um, that leak that gets into a home I mean the amount of work that it takes in order to ensure that mold does not set into those rafters does not set into the wall and does not continue is going to be immense and that's going to hit your policy hard and if you don't have this right here you could be hit as a contractor for more money than you ever think. God forbid this happens on multiple homes or it happens on a commercial project where who knows how much you're going to have to do when it comes to remediation, mold engineering, and testing. You do not want to mess around with mold if you're a contractor. And I think some guys out there are, are playing a Russian roulette with it right now, thinking, okay, well, if you know, a little water gets in there, I'll be fine. We'll take care of it. We'll knock out some walls. This is nothing you want to play around with. Like you say, for for a fraction of the cost of your general liability to add this on and to make sure that mold is there, it, it could save your company, especially when you're, you're a guy doing two to $3 million a year. Right. And, and like I said, I, I learned that the hard way. Yeah. And, and that's something that, you know, you don't make a mistake twice. And now going forward, when I talk to anybody that's a potential customer of mine, we always go, hey, by the way, have you ever thought about pollution? And and it's just not, not something that I think a lot of them are maybe necessarily playing Russian roulette with is they're just unaware. Yeah. They don't know it's excluded. Um, you know, they're not, again, they're not insurance agents. They're not licensed. They don't do this every day. Um, they, they rely on whoever they're working with to be able to kind of give them the scenarios. And it's up to them at that point, what do you want to and what not to pay for? You know, it's, it's I just, my job is to make you aware of the possibilities. And it's your job to tell me what you do and don't care about. And you can self-insure on things. That's a that's a realistic way to approach certain things, but there's, to me, and for the price, it's it's almost a something easily to just tag on. You won't notice it versus your liability insurance because that's where the cost is going to be. And if if it ever does happen, you're going to be happy that you had it. Let me just say this right now: get the mold coverage, folks. I mean, I can't, you, this is something that can kill somebody's health. Um, it can actually hurt people within the home. Get the coverage because, Lord, you know, if you've got to have to move in there and you're going to have to remove all that and you're going to be liable for it, you don't want to go down that route. Why not pay the extra few thousand dollars? 
and ensure that your company is going to be taken care of. God forbid something's going to happen. Or make sure that the people that are doing the work on those homes, make sure they've got that coverage. Because you don't want that to fall back on you and then you're sitting there going, uh, you know, now what? Now I've got to pay for all this engineering, all these reports, and all this remediation. That is going to be an absolute headache for you. Um, this, to me, it seems like a no-brainer, Alex. I'll tell you, it, it just seems like the right thing to do if you're a company. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll kind of, to piggyback off what you're saying a little bit, as a homeowner, you know, sometimes the best way to handle a claim is to put it in on your homeowner's policy itself because when it's not your fault and it's something that happened, they're going to take care of things and they're, they're going to subrogate against the GC or the subcontractor, whoever it is. So they're going to put you up. They're going to they're going to pay the claims pretty quickly. There's not as many exclusions on a homeowner's policy as there are on general liability policies for contractors or anybody else. You know, it, it encompasses a lot more. So sometimes the easiest way for the homeowner, if they want to kind of make sure that things get taken care of correctly, is to put a claim in if you know, there's even a doubt that this one over here can't do it, and let their lawyers, you know, them being the insurance carriers, let them, you know, talk about themselves and figure it out couple years back and Richie you'll have to kill me for this story because I don't remember the type of mold that it was okay but we were talking about this on the radio um, we saw a well, was a couple gentleman comes before the Senate and he had filed a claim following a storm with his insurance company insurance company had dragged the entire thing on okay and in the meantime their their roof was not fixed and water began to came up, come in over time this thing drags on and mold begins to build they don't realize this, and this is a guy, I, I don't remember the type of mold, and somebody out there is going to know what I'm talking about. The, the woman had, every morning, she would get up and she would get a cup of coffee. And so she would get it from the same cabinet, and she would put the coffee cup the same way in the nighttime, upside down on the cabinet. And so she began to drink her coffee. Husband doesn't drink coffee, so never had anything to do with that cabinet right there, never took any glasses out that wasn't his thing. Over time... She starts to get sick over a couple of months, um, and eventually they find out she's got poisoning. I'm not sure, and I'm going to have to correct. I know she spent months in the hospital, and if it wasn't that she died, she became very, very close to it. She was ingesting mold that had come into and was in that cabinet. So every time she put her coffee cup down every morning, she's drinking that coffee with the mold, which infected her entire system, had no idea that that's where it was coming from, no visible signs in the cabinet, know anything. So in the meantime, she's up there battling her insurance company trying to say, hey, listen, even going before the Senate in the House and going, why won't they pay my claim? I've been waiting. In the meantime, she's sick as can be. She's got hospital bills that are going through the roof. Mold is just never something you want to mess with because it can hit you in a way that you can't see it. You can't smell it. You're just breathing it in all the time. The liability right there is nothing any contractor wants to, to open themselves up to. 100%. Um, and again, I'm going to have to butcher that story. I'm going to come back and give people that story because I, it was incredible. Um, the, the amount this woman had to go through and her husband after just learning that it was a coffee cup that was doing it to her right there. Yeah. You just never know. Two other things I want to go into. Then I want to talk about how customer service plays a role in what you do. It's max coverage and max size coverage. So the actual size of the property and the actual dollar amount that I think you had right there on that example, even $50,000 or something? Yeah, so so this this particular carrier, and of course we're not going to say the name, but no, this is something not. I find a lot of roofers will have because it's cheap. And it, it's a, and the name of the company, is, it sounds like something you should have as a, as a roofer, any contractor at that. But 
Let me, let me kind of flip to it real quick. Yeah, there's two things on here that I haven't really seen on any other policy other than theirs, but it's something to be aware of. So the first one is an independent contractor, subcontractor, sublimit. So this would be more so if you're the GC in a sense and you're subbing out your work to another roofer to do the install. Um, on this particular policy, it would have a total uh, subject to a maximum per occurrence limit of 50 grand. So the most will pay out, it, let's just say his stuff doesn't work, the most they're going to pay out is 50000 So if that doesn't cover what you need it to be, and, and keep in mind that's 50000 not just for damages, but that's also attorney costs too. Oh, so, it, so eat it up real quick. Right. So bottom line, it's going to pay up to fifty grand per claim, and that's the most they'll do for subcontractors making a mistake. Um, so that was that's one of them, and then the other one that's again a, a this company specific thing. It's a residential project structure size restriction, and same thing a commercial or mixed use building project size restriction. And um, th this one's kind of funny because on the residential size it says a maximum of five thousand square feet, which is a, a quite a large house. You know, I mean that's most of us probably live in a fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred square foot home you know, 3,000 to four max, a 5,000 square foot house is a big house. Sure. But it goes into even a little bit more, and I'm just going to read Please. This is more, you know, legal, legal jargon here, but it says, uh, in determining the application of this exclusion, calculation of the 5,000 square foot residential restriction shall be determined by totaling the combined square footage of all structures located within the residential project or property. So including but not limited to the dwelling, the guest house, the exterior living areas, the sheds, the garages, uh, storage facilities, and cabanas. So your house might be 2,000. I, I mean, you talked about this earlier. I had, you know, my house was a, you know, 1950 square foot home. I had a detached metal building garage with another 1,500 square feet. I had two sheds I'd gotten from Lowe's or Home Depot in the past, you know, what, 20 by 10s over here. And if you have a and they even talk about the outside, uh, where does it say again, exterior living areas. Mm -hmm. You're covering space for your porch in the back. They even it's not under air. You start adding things up, 5,000 square feet is going to go by real quick. Sure. So a house that was maybe originally in 1950, you know, as far as square footage goes, like it's not going to touch it. But you start adding all the little things you have on a house, especially in rural areas like where we live. Um, you know, when you have a barn, you have other things like that. That gets included in that square footage. And, and, and why would you even have to think about that? Like, to me, that's, that's just a way for this particular company to get out of it. And when you go to the commercial one, it's a 20,000-square-foot one, which isn't that hard to get to on a commercial space. Not so at all. that one's actually, to me, a more a realistic, like, we can hit that one pretty easy, not adding all these little extras out on the outside that you don't think about. Well, see, that's the one I want to focus on right there is the commercial side because I agree with you because I can see this happening in my head. Tell me what you think of I can see somebody goes, okay, well, I've got this crew, right? This is the same crew that I use on all my residential. Okay, hey, you guys got something for, yeah, we're good on commercial. We're all good. And we can check off all the box. We can go do that commercial property for you. And there's a screw up, all right? And they don't look at it, the fact that this is a large commercial building. It's not even that large, 20,000 square feet. But they didn't look for, is there an exclusion in there for this commercial property over 20,000 square feet? And now... You as a GC, as a contract, roofing contractor, owner, and the example that you and I used, you've now opened yourself up to liability and you had no idea that you were even doing it because 
they've got a simple exclusion right there or they've got a max amount of coverage that they're willing to go in and, and take care of. Exactly. And, and again, these are very uncommon in, in regards to it's only one company I've personally seen have this, but it's, it's kind of alarming how many roofers have this insurance company as their provider. See, but you say uncommon, and I agree with you, it is uncommon, but these are uncommon instances. I mean, you don't need insurance for anything other than an uncommon instance, right? Correct. So you, you never get the call. I mean, we were talking about you got a call on the way over here about a guy hitting, a, hitting something on the way in the, in the driveway. Yeah, he backed somebody at McDonald's. Yeah. So, so you, don't, you don't ever get the call. It's like, hey, man, how you doing, bro? Been doing good. Hey, just want to check in, make sure I got enough coverage. Like, just, you know, it's always when the uncommon thing happens that you're going to need insurance. And yet, these things, people go, oh, I don't know. I don't want to think about that. Not me. You know, I'm sure that I'm fine. Are you? Have you actually looked at your policy or have you even looked at the policy of the people that are out there doing the work representing your company? Because it's these uncommon things that are going to be the ones that, that come and bite you in the butt. Right. Um, I, I imagine you're seeing that all the time is, is, what I, is what I imagine. Tell me this, man. You know, you, you're an insurance agent would be the best way to describe you, all right? You, we talked about Merrill a little bit earlier um, and your company, Roofing Insurance Group. What should your role be with a contractor in the field? And the reason I ask this is because let's say we've gone through some of this stuff and a contractor is sitting there and they're like, I'm really not sure. You know what? Maybe, I think, let me find out. Should should their representative be in contact with them more? Where does, where does your role stop? Where does it end? And I guess what I'm truly trying to figure out is how does someone know they've got someone that's worth a darn working for them, like someone like yourself? Yeah, I'd, I'd say that most of my guys, if you were to speak to them, like my contractors that I have insured, um, I think they'd say, I'm accessible. I'd say that's where it first starts. He'll, he'll pick up a phone call or he'll call me back if he doesn't. He'll answer a text or he'll answer an email. Um, so being accessible and, and just that alone is, is seems to be the, the biggest separation between myself and the majority of other agents in the world. If you can just return a phone call, return an email, or return a text, I, I mean, you're, you're doing more than most other people in my industry, it seems like, half the time. Another thing um, is somebody that's reviewing your certificate request, and this is more for somebody that's doing a lot of work for GCs or big, you know, new construction-wise, and they say, they'll, they'll send it over to me all the time, say, hey, Alex, um, want to start working for ABC LLC, here's their insurance requirements, and I'll take a look at it. He's like, do I need anything? Am I good to go? Um, sometimes I'll even start getting into negotiations, advocating in a sense of like, hey, you know, even though they don't have this $5 million umbrella, or even though they don't have this over here, you can kind of leverage other things. For example, they do have a pollution policy that you don't have listed on here. Or let's just, let's think about this. This company's doing $50 million a year. Their general liability is costing them three, dollars $400,000, $200,000 a year. For me to add a $5 million umbrella on their policy, you know, it's going to sit on top of their auto. It's going to sit on top of their liability. It's going to sit on top of the workers' comp. You're going to add an expense of a couple hundred thousand dollars to my insured. And this project, this apartment complex that they're trying to do work on, they're not even that's that's not even what they're making off of it. So can we get this removed? Can we get an exception? 
if your agent's not doing at least those things as far as if you're getting those commercial jobs or those um, you know new construction jobs on the residential side, uh, you know I, I think you're, you're you need to go find somebody else. Uh, another thing is having these little reminders. Like I say, it's really easy to be good at something, and, and it doesn't take a lot of work. When you send those reminders out once a month to say, hey, look over projections or look over, you know, the, the company's direction, however you want to word it, it don't have to necessarily touch you. I don't have to come take you on the boat every weekend. I don't have to go bring you a, a bottle of whiskey. You know, I don't have to take you to lunch every month. Um, you know, we're, we're all busy. And as much as I know you like me and I like you, personalities, we click and we can be friends. Um, you know, I, I have to do the same thing for you for another 100, 200, you know, clients over here. So me setting these little reminders to touch you every once in a while or me, you know, making a phone call once a quarter or whatever it is just to touch base. If you're not getting that, I'm not saying they didn't need to necessarily come knock on your door and go see you all the time. Some people like that, and that's a big piece of their buying process. Like they want that face-to-face -face relationship. Um, I just, if somebody's on top of it, setting those reminders, being accessible, negotiating on your behalf, getting you involved on things, also being a claim advocate. Because at the end of the day, if you pay all this money for this stuff that we're talking about and it doesn't pay, what are you paying for? You know, or at least making you aware of the situations and letting you decide if you're going to pay for it or not. I, I mean, there's plenty of times I've told somebody like, hey, you know, by the way, this policy has a co-insurance on it or whatever it might be. And if this happens, it might turn into this. Are you okay with that? Sure. As long as we're in agreement that, you know, we both fully understand what's going on, you can self-insure up to an extent. You know, you can take on the risk yourself. You don't have to spend a million dollars in, you know, a year on insurance if you don't want to. You know, there's certain things you can take on yourself. But if at the end of the day something does happen and you, it's not being taken care of, if somebody's not following up on the phone calls to the underwriters, to the claims, you know, adjusters that are out there that you just got in a wreck on your vehicle, if they're not following up with, you know, the, your lawyer, working with your lawyer sometimes to work with the other person's lawyer, if they're not being a claims advocate for you, I mean, that's, that's why you buy insurance for when that stuff happens. And that should be the most important thing is that it actually pays out. So if they're not following up on that piece, I mean, that, that, that alone should be a, a red flag and you should move it somewhere else to give somebody a chance to show you something different. Yeah, I, I would say it's time to move on if that's the case. I have two other questions I've got here for you, okay? I want to, th speaking about what you just did right there, do you have contractors that give you a call and they, they're moving into a big project and they're looking at, okay, should I have additional coverages for this project? Um, it, you know, they're looking for a per project basis. Is that something that should be celebrated? Like, hey, listen, I'm glad you reached out to me. Or does that mean that perhaps they are underinsured as a whole? Um, how do you look at a situation like that when you do have a contractor reaching out and maybe they're looking for additional coverage on the project itself? Yeah, so I, I actually, it makes, I had a guy, he's like, I don't want to bother you. I, it, so this wasn't a roofer. There's somebody that actually does um, Christmas lighting. And it's a, it's a second business for him. Cool. You know, he's All a right. pressure washer, does a lot of things, and he also does Christmas lighting. And he goes, hey, man, you know, we're going to start getting into doing low voltage lighting outside of Christmas, like your landscape lighting, maybe your spotlights in the corner of the houses, but we want to start doing it for, you know, new like being an option on the new construction side for a DR Horton or whatever, you know, what, are, are we good for that? And it's like, he's like, I don't want to bug you all the time, but I, you know, I just don't know if we're, if we're covered. And this is somebody who is very 
conscious of what he's liable for and whatnot. He's not your average consumer in the sense of insurance. So I said, I said, Rich, I said, no, man, you're doing what you're supposed to do. I said, I appreciate you calling me. So let me go find out what it would cost to add that, what it would do, or even see if you're covered for it currently. Because again, this is something that we didn't know you were doing a year ago when we wrote this policy. So then we go through the process and I give them options, say, hey, there's a max here, there's gonna be costing this over here, and, and then eventually end up taking it for an additional, you know, whatever the cost was. But I like those phone calls. Like and to give you some other examples too, um, a lot of people don't get umbrellas or things. As a, as a business grows, you, you don't usually find the guy right out the gate says, man, I need an umbrella, I need pollution, I need this, I need that. You kind of grow as your business grows and as your needs grow. Typically, they're not getting that first umbrella. They're not getting that whatever policy until they're required to, and that's perfectly okay. Um, I, I have a, a very large roofer in the state that they are primarily a residential roofer, and I think that's what they want to be, and occasionally they'll do some commercial stuff, and those commercial jobs will end up being a lot of umbrellas. But again, to get them to have an umbrella for the entire year is hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it's just not even feasible. But what we can do is look at it a ways like, what if we do a per project umbrella? Okay. So now you go from having a two, three hundred thousand dollar expense to a thirty thousand dollar expense, and now I, just, I, is that worth it to you now? And they'll be like, oh yeah, we can do that. So you know, having those phone calls like, hey, we're gonna work on this big project. And, you know, this building's X amount, or it's or it's a skyscraper. You don't get many of that in Florida. But let's just say you had something like that. Like this is a big exposure for us. And we have a one million dollar per occurrence, you know, limit. Uh, you know, is that is that enough for this? Those conversations are good, and it's and it and I will say this: give us enough lead time. If mm. this is something you're thinking of doing and it's due next week, it man, it, you know, it's not especially in the roofing industry or anything that's high risk. We can't turn things around instantly most of the time. On the auto, you can, of course. On on workers' comp, you can. It's pretty quick. But when you're talking about liability, a lot of these policies, you have to go. You know, you have to broker this out through some kind of brokerage. So you have to go through that person to then go to that carrier. So you're, you're playing telephone, and there's a, you don't have that direct access to them all the time. So you, you need to give us a little bit of lead time because sometimes it might be such an unusual risk or an unusual project. Or I had a guy that was going to do um, many housings somewhere in Alachua County, and it was going to be – 200 300 of these small houses and he's like you know i need an umbrella for this and so the carriers are like what is this now it's like it's, you know, the mini house you ever seen them on tv they're like yeah it's like how many is he doing and they, you know there's a lot of questions like you know when is the project starting when is it ending um what's the sub cost what's the ex what's the anticipated gross off of this and so there's a lot of back and forth and if he had and luckily they gave me plenty of months in, in advance but if they had waited to the last week or the last two weeks I, mean, I might be able to say, hey, I, I can't find somebody that's willing to do this right now. Like, I need more time to go and look for it. And I'm not going to say that's any fault of your agent because it just some of these things do take time. Yeah. You know, it's, it can't be turned around like that. Many houses. I can never see myself in one of those. No, you're too big, so it wouldn't I work. I don't think it's going to work for me. Um, I want to talk homeowners. I want to talk about them last right now. Um, you know, homeowners are hiring a roofing contractor, a solar contractor, under the expectation that they're going to be the one doing the work. Yes, I understand that the contract says somewhere on there in some fine print that they're, you know, they may sub it out to somebody else, and it may even say the name of the solar company that they're doing it for. Um, 
are, are homeowners at some kind of liability here by hiring a contractor who they have people that go out and do the work that are underinsured or that don't have the right coverage? Or is their policy going to take that up? God forbid something is going to happen. How does that relationship work here, brother? So, so their policy should take it up if, if something happens out the norm. Let's say they do a, a shoddy job and next thing you know, there's leaking and they're a fly by night company and they disappear and you can't get in touch with them. You sure. can't file a claim, can't file anything. You know, we, you know mistakes happen. So their, their policy should um, take care of them. Not, like I say, it's always going to do it. You know, there's, there's different companies that handle things differently than others, uh, but it should be able to kind of react to things like that. But as a homeowner, I think the one thing you can do that some do but not all is ask for a certificate of insurance just to see yourself. I mean, you're not going to be the expert to be like, oh, that's a good company, and that's not. But at least you can see on paper, okay, the guy has workers' comp, the guy has liability because let's just say workers comp and the guy falls off your roof That's what it and is he right wants there. and he wants to sue you the homeowner because it happened on your property that's a real thing so yeah they have workers comp coverage they have the liability insurance at a minimum um and at least you can give you a little bit of peace of mind now you're not going to be going through the policy they're not going to give you your policy to go look at it like that but you can at least check on some boxes and do your due diligence to an extent as a homeowner and it's going to help you potentially in the long run. Yeah, but I think if everything that we've talked about today, if GCs, if our roofing contractors are going to pay attention to these items and they begin to look at the policy, they begin to continue to look at it, not just look at it one time, but continue to look at what their subs are carrying, making sure they paid their premiums and that they are still covered, right? If they continue to do that, then the homeowner should never have to even deal with something like this. Correct. Somebody wants to get in touch with you, Alex. How do they do it? What is the, uh, how do they get in touch with you? We'll put it across the bottom of the screen right now. Sure. I mean, the easiest way is to call my cell phone. It's, uh, it's 352-321-6928. And if you want to shoot me an email and say, hey, you know, can we get a time? Can we look at this? Um, just shoot me an email. It's real simple. It's alex, A-L-E-X, at merrillinsurance.com. M-E-R-R-I-L-L, insurance, all spelled out, dot com. Well, we'll have it across the bottom of the screen. I know Matt will put it in the, in the comment section as well. Folks, Roofing Insurance Group, Alex Hurst right here. A lot of great information here. Roofing contractors, you may think that you've got yourself covered, but you may not. If you have any questions, give Alex a call. Shoot him an email. This guy will help you out. It was a pleasure meeting you, bro. And then I saw you on Saturday at the Eustace Roofing uh, grand opening over there for them, man. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me. Until next time, everybody. All right, give Alex a call.